Psalm 122, verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Is anyone else excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I said, is anyone excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on, somebody. Church, I'm just saying we got to wake up. Because if we're Jesus people and we're not excited about Jesus, how are we going to go tell the world about Jesus? All right. So we got to make some noise. We got to have fun. We got to love life. And uh, I want to challenge any parent in the room with this. If your kids don't see your fire for God, don't be upset when they don't have one. I'm going to just leave it at that. We're going to let God do the rest of the work, all right? We're in week nine of the book of Mark. Uh, I'm loving this journey through this book. It's been really transformative, I believe. But remember, a critical part of this journey is not just what happens on Sunday morning, but what you do with it Monday through Saturday. Because I'm just, I'm touching the, the very top of the iceberg of each chapter, and then the challenge is for you as the church to dive into the book Monday through Saturday, read the same chapter every day, and ask Holy Spirit to show you something that can apply to your life. Remember, we're soaping through it. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. I'm having fun because on Wednesday nights at 7 Youth, we're doing the same thing, and I just love seeing teenagers in the Bible. They're asking the questions like, what do you mean an observation? What, what does that mean about the Scripture? What do you mean I apply the Scripture to my life? So we're starting to unpack these things. We're starting to see the Bible come alive for them, and uh, I hope the same is true for you and your journey with us during this series. We're going to be in Mark 9, starting in verse 14 this morning, but I want to pray before we jump in. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your church. God, I thank you that you are the rock and the foundation of the church. That when everything around us is shaken, God, you still remain steadfast, the same today, yesterday, and forever. And so God, we cling to that hope, the hope that never fails, the hope that is here this morning. And so as we open your word, God, would you speak to our hearts today? Would you meet those who are joining us online wherever they are? Would you meet us in the room today where we are? Would you speak to us for your children are listening? Father, we receive the word today by the power in the name of Jesus. We pray this all in your holy and precious name. All of God's people said, amen. amen. Mark chapter nine, starting in verse 14. The word of God says, and when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. Immediately, all the crowd, when they saw Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about? And someone in the crowd answered him, teacher, I have brought my son to you, for he has a demonic spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able to. Jesus answered them, you faithless and perverse generation. How long do I have to put up with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring the boy to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground, rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus then asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? The father said, from childhood. And it is the often case that it throws him into the fire and into the water to try and destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Man, I love this. Jesus said to him, if you can. Like, 
What do you mean this if stuff? If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And somebody said, amen. All things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out. And oh, if this isn't the prayer of our hearts today, I believe, but help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the demonic spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him, never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was dead like a corpse on the ground. So most of the people said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he walked away. And when they had entered the house, his disciples then asked him privately, Teacher, why could we not cast it out? And to them, Jesus said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Man, what a moment in the ministry of Jesus, right? I want to give context, and this is why I want to encourage you to get into Mark 9 this week, because there is so much that I'm not even going to cover. Like right before this moment, you know, the, there's the little subheadings in your Bible. That's referred to as the transfiguration. Like, just read that and get mind blown this week. But we don't have time to touch into that. But essentially, Jesus takes his homies, Peter, James, and John. Like, the Bible says Jesus didn't have favorites, but let's be real, he kind of did. And uh, Jesus took some of the disciples up on the mountaintop. They have this, this glorification moment where the glory of God is manifest before them. They're having a mountaintop moment with Jesus, but guess what church while they're having the mountaintop moment there are other disciples who are in the middle of a valley with a situation that looks impossible and I read that and it gives me hope because church if that isn't like the church today some of us are on our mountaintop moment with Jesus, living in the abundant blessing of God, seeing miracles flow wherever we go. We're on, we're on the high of the mountaintop. But then the person seated right next to us this morning, our, our daughter, our spouse, somebody we know in our life, while we're up here, they're down here in a valley with a situation that looks impossible. So where does the hope lie? Well, when Jesus showed up in the valley, everything changed. So we've got to understand that when the presence of Jesus shows up, everything changes. And this demonic possessed boy is brought to Jesus because the disciples were unable to cast the demon out. And, and Jesus then delivers the demon out of the boy, sets the boy free. And then the disciples are confused. They're like, whoa, why couldn't we do it? And I don't know exactly what Jesus was doing. I don't know if Jesus was like rebuking and attacking the disciples for maybe a lack of devotion or a lack of discipleship or, or a lack of belief in what he called them to do. Or maybe Jesus was just revealing to them another facet of what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because the longer you spend with somebody, guess what? The more you get to know them. And so I feel like Jesus was revealing a part of the call now to the disciples to say, hey, you guys have seen miraculous things. You guys have done miraculous things, but you weren't able to do this because I didn't want you to think you were doing those things on your strength. I wanted to remind you that these things can only happen when you pray and when you fast. Don't, don't seek out the miracle so much that you forget to spend time with the miracle worker. 
And, and so Jesus is telling them, you've got to understand that the power that it takes to see these things happen, to see these miracles manifest, only come through prayer and fasting. And so if you're taking notes this morning, the title of today's message is The Power of Prayer and Fasting. I, I want to encourage you as a follower of Jesus to allow prayer and fasting to not just be something you do once a year, to not just be something that you do when the church assigns a 21-day prayer and fast, but I would challenge every believer who calls themselves a follower of Jesus to make prayer and fasting a habitual part of your lifestyle as a follower of Jesus. It needs to be part of our daily routine. It needs to be part of our walk with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. And there are things that God is calling you to do where it's going to take you to have some prayer and fasting to accomplish what he's called you to do. So why is it important? Where's the power in prayer and fasting? Well, here's the first thing. Prayer and fasting creates more space for God. Time and space is an interesting concept to me. Like, we, we don't get any more of it. We're told how much we have for it. And then we have to decide how we spend it. And like, let's be honest. Is there anyone in the room today that could testify, I spend my time wisely all the time? All right, let me ask you this question. How many of you guys just have free time? Anyone just get bored and have a bunch of free time with nothing to do? Max, put your hand down. You need to do more chores at home if you got free time. None of us, right? Why? Because we're humans. Our schedules are so full. They're busy. We've got work and sports and school and this appointment and that appointment. And some of y'all love your spouses so much. You got like six kids and they're in all different grades and you got to take them everywhere. I got no, you don't love kids. You just love your spouse. Our schedules are full. So what is the importance? Why is prayer and fasting so important? Because it's intentionally setting aside time. To allow God to move. Because if I asked you this question, how many of you want to see a move of God in your life right now? Every hand is probably going up. But can I tell you the prerequisite for that move? You've got to give God the space. You have to give him the space. And it's not going to happen by accident. The, the question always comes up when I mention fasting. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? What do I have to give up? I, I believe fasting is broken down really into four different types of fasts. You can participate in four different types of fasts. The absolute fast, that's what Jesus did in the desert. It's abstaining from all food and drink. But let me tell you something, all right? When we talk about fasting, you gotta understand something. It is not going on a hunger strike until God does what you want him to do. All right, you got to get that. The second thing, it's not a diet. All right, taking care of your body, which is the temple of Jesus Christ, that's important as a follower of Jesus. But fasting is not, oh, I'm going to go on the Atkins diet and call it a fast. No, no, no. Because the goal of your fast is not to lose weight, it's to create more space for God. So there's the absolute fast. You abstain from all food or drink. There's what I would call a normal fast. You just drink fluids. You, you say no to all the substance food. What are we doing? Why is food so important? Because our flesh 
desires food, and when we starve our flesh of something that it desires, we are able to allow God to fill his spirit inside of us and refresh our soul. Because we've usually gone to food to be that source, and now we're relying on God to be our only source. So you've got the absolute, you've got your normal, you've got the Daniel fast. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the origin of that, but that's abstaining from mainly meats and other stuff. But it's really just choosing fruits, veggies, nuts, those kind of things. I don't do that because I hate vegetables, just being honest. I'd rather not eat anything than eat some broccoli. I mean, I'll just say it, y'all. And then here's another fast. Because some of us, and when it comes to food fast, be wise. All right, a, a absolute fast where you stop eating or drinking. If you have a really unhealthy diet right now and you start the absolute fast tomorrow, good luck. Like some of those things, you have to actually prepare your body so that way you can actually survive those things and not create more damage than good. But here's a fast, if giving up food kind of worries you, or maybe the reality is food isn't your problem, you need to go on a fast of sacrifice. And I would call this giving up a pleasure that is a sacrifice to you personally. So fasting the Dallas Cowboys next football season isn't a fast because they're going to lose anyways. It's not much of a sacrifice. But fasting your Netflix account might be. Fasting your social media might be. Fasting those things that you do for fun that take away time from spending it with God might be what you need to give up. Fasting alcohol, fasting cigarettes, whatever that vice is that you would normally go to. What are you giving up to give God room? When we fast, here's what you have to understand, because I know y'all, y'all like to find the loopholes in the system, all right? You're Americans, and so some of y'all are like, pastor, what can I fast or what don't I have to fast for it still to be biblical? Like y'all are like, I'm just trying to meet the bare minimum guidelines here, pastor. Here's what I would say. Fasting is less about what you give up and more about why you're giving up what you're giving up. It's less about the what. It's more about the why. Why are you giving up? How are you giving God more space in your life by giving that thing up? When that's the focus, it's a biblical fast. When you're starving yourself of the desire of the flesh to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Prayer and fasting creates more space for God. What's interesting about this is we say, oh God, we want more of you. But can I tell you something, church? In order to get more of God, God needs more of you. He needs the space. He needs the room. The Bible says he must increase, comma, I must decrease. Where do you need more of God? Give God more of you. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is Psalm 34, 3. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his holy name together. I just love that. Like, I feel like it's like a call to worship. It's like, let's magnify the Lord. But what exactly does that mean? Well, when I hear that, I immediately begin to think of this device. How many of y'all know what this is called? It's called the old people reading device. <laughs> if you got one of these on your desk, you know you're over the age of 50, all right? Just say it. 
But I, I, I hear that verse, magnify the Lord with me, and I start to think of a magnifying glass. Magnifying glasses are such an interesting tool. You know, you can take them outside and, and you can use them to burn ants. How many of y'all ever did that? You're a psychopath, my friend. No, just <laughs> but it's interesting because I'm, I'm up here, all right, and I'm using this magnifying glass. And when I look through it, the, the words on the Bible get bigger. And not only do they get bigger, but it's almost like they actually get clearer. Like, I'm not having to squint anymore. Like, it's not all fuzzy. Like, it's like, man, those are big words. And wow, I can actually read them. But I have a question for you. Although the words are getting bigger, and although words are getting clearer, has my Bible actually physically changed? No. Like, as I'm using this, and I'm telling you, man, those words are getting bigger. Is the size of my Bible changing at all? I'm saying, man, those words are getting clearer. Is the ink on the pages of the Bible moving at all? What's happening? The magnifying glass is shifting my perspective. And although the Bible's not getting bigger, although the words aren't getting bigger, they are getting bigger to me. Although the words on the page aren't getting clearer, they are getting clearer to me. What does this have to do with prayer and fasting? Church, prayer and fasting is the spiritual magnifying glass in the life of a believer. Because here's the truth. You can't make God any bigger than what he already is. But when you pray and you fast, guess what happens? God gets bigger to you. When you pray and you fast, God gets clearer to you. Because you're shifting your perspective. You can't change the size of God. God's as clear as he gonna get. He's not the author of confusion or chaos. He can't get any more clear. So what changes in the life of a believer? How do we go from one minute going, oh, I don't understand what God's saying. I need some clarity in my life to three days later. It's like we got all the clarity we need in the world. We got on our knees. We prayed and we fasted. And just like a magnifying glass, God wasn't getting bigger. He was getting bigger to me. God wasn't speaking anymore clear he was getting clearer to me because I created the space through prayer and fasting to hear from God and to see him with a new perspective the power of prayer and fasting church is not that we make God bigger it's that God gets bigger to us why because we gave him more of us the Bible gives us this promise draw near to God and he will draw near to you but you take that step we sang that song i sought the lord and he heard and he answered i sought the lord and he heard and he answered it doesn't say god spoke and then i ran it says i sought the lord prayer and fasting is intentionally creating the space for god in your life the second power of prayer and fasting is this. It gives you faith in the gray. It gives you faith in the gray. What, what am I talking about here? Here's what I'm talking about. There are questions in life that come up that I would call the gray area questions. Like y'all know what I'm talking about, right? 
We, we, we face, we're faced with these decisions. We're faced with these questions. And we're like, pastor, give me a verse in the Bible that gives me the answer of what I'm supposed to do. And I don't send you one back because there isn't one. Like there are some things in our life right now that like, here's where the devil's winning in society. Let's be really honest. He's creating gray areas in society that were never gray to begin with. There are very clear black and white answers that the Bible has given us. And we cannot lose sight of those. But what happens when the question is beyond just black or white and it's gray? I'm, some of y'all aren't tracking. Maybe I'll give you some examples, all right? Here's an example of a gray area question. Do I homeschool my kids, put them in public school, or sign them up for private school? That's a real life question. I'm not sure how I feel about the public school system in America. My only choice in private school is a Catholic school. I don't know if I want my kids going there. I don't know if I have the time to homeschool. Like these are real life practical questions where I, you ask me, pastor, what do I do? I don't know. Like if you find the verse in the Bible that says the answer to that question, let me know because I'm about to sign my kid up for school in a few years. So I need to know. But what about this one? Do I buy a house? Do I lease a house? Do I rent a house? Now we're talking about financial stewardship, which God has called us to be good stewards. But I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it gives me a clear black and white answer on that question. All right, I'm going to make it a little more personal. Do I date that person? Should I marry them one day? Or is her name Karen and should I break up with her? Like, I'm just saying, y'all, you can't go to Isaiah 64 and say, if her name Karen, just dump her now, boy. <laughs> do I go into business with that person or do I let that opportunity go by? Do I move to that town or that town? Which one's better? Do I buy gas, diesel, or electric? I don't know. These are the great area questions that come up in life. Why? Because that's the reality of the life that we're in. But can I remind the church, as a follower of Jesus, you have a cheat code for the great areas of life. It's called the discernment of the Holy Spirit. But it only comes by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting. We see this play out early on in the book of Acts chapter one when the early church is beginning to expand its territory and they've got the leaders gathered together and they're trying to figure out who do we send where? What's the game plan for where we're going next? God told us go into all the world and preach the gospel. But exactly what does that look like? They, they were in this gray area. And in Acts 1, the Bible says, as they were worshiping, praying, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Make that the blueprint for your life, church. Worship, pray, fast, listen. But can I tell you what 90% of the prayer life in the American church looks like right now? We take God, all of our complaints and commands, and we do very little listening, worshiping, and true praying. Worship, pray, 
fast. The Holy Spirit said to this group, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to do. And then if you keep reading, we'd see that they began to pray and fast about the word that God had spoken. And when they came to peace with it, they laid hands on them and they sent them off. Why? Because God gave them faith in the gray. And when you make prayer and fasting a regular part of your life as a follower of Jesus, you aren't going to have to stop at every decision and go, hang on, let me pray and fast about this. Sometimes you need to. If it's a significant change in your life, yes, take the time to pray and fast. But some of us, we use that excuse because we don't actually want to take a step of faith and trust God at the word that he's already spoken. God's telling you to go and you're over here like, oh, I'm going to pray about it just a little bit. God puts something in your spirit to go pray over that person at the super. I got to go pray to God, make sure that's what he wants me to do. No, go pray. Take the step of faith. Prayer and fasting should not be something you do. It should be a part of who you are. Prayer and fasting gives us faith in the gray. When I think of gray areas, for whatever reason, I told y'all I'm a visual guy, but it, I think of gray and I just, I hear radio static. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all still got radios? Like some of the high school and middle schoolers in the room are like, dad, what's a radio? <laughs> just wait till you tell them about uh, tracks and CDs and uh, yeah, I'm 28. I don't know what I'm talking about. I go back to CDs. That's about it. But at radio static, y'all know what I'm talking about. You got that dial in your car or maybe it's buttons and, and you get in the car and somebody else has been in it and they changed your station. And if you didn't have your presets saved, here's what it sounds like for the next, I don't know, minute. Today on the show. Arriba! Feliz cumpleaños! Like it's static, clear station, static, clear station. And for some reason in Southwest Kansas, about 90% of our stations are in Spanish. I don't get it. Radio static, radio signal. Why am I telling you this? Do the radio signals ever turn off? No. What happens? What is creating the static on the speaker in your car? The alignment of the dial. As you change that dial, you go from clear to static, clear to static, clear to static. So then I'd ask you this question, does God ever stop speaking? So why for so many of us would we say when we're listening for the voice of God, all we hear is <laughs> What prayer and fasting does, church, is it realigns the dial of our life. So we no longer hear, but we can hear, my beloved, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. My beloved, I have set you apart to be a voice into the nations. My beloved, I have called you for such a time as this. Prayer and fasting eliminates the static gray in your life and gives you the ability to hear from God clearly. And when you hear from him clearly, what can you do? You can walk in your calling confidently knowing what he's called you 
to do. But the problem is, church, is there are not enough Jesus followers who have spent enough time in the prayer closet hearing from God clearly, so therefore they don't know how to confidently walk in the calling that God has on their life. We've got to get into a habit of prayer and fasting. It creates space for God. It gives us faith in the gray. The third thing that the power of prayer and fasting does, oh yeah, come on, it brings victory. Come on, somebody say victory. Somebody say victory. Prayer and fasting brings the victory. Second Chronicles 20, King Jehoshaphat and God's people are under attack. In verse 1, the word of God says, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, together with some of the Menunites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast number from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. They are already in the Hazazam Tamar. Listen to this. Jehoshaphat was afraid. And so he cowered and hid and built his D-Day shelter like every other American. No, no, no. Jehoshaphat was afraid and he resolved to seek the Lord. And then he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah who gathered to seek the Lord. They came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. I love this moment in history because it reminds us of the humanity of the king that God had appointed. Because we see that he was afraid in a moment. And let me tell you, church, some of y'all need to hear this because it's going to be freeing. It is okay for you to be afraid, but it's what you do in the middle of your fear that matters the most. You don't have to act like you have it all together. It's okay to say, I'm afraid. I just got a diagnosis from the doctor. I'm afraid. I just got broken up with. I'm afraid. My spouse just walked out of me. I'm afraid. My kid says they don't love Jesus. I'm afraid. It's okay to admit that you're afraid, but what you do in the middle of your fear matters. Do you choose faith or do you cower in fear? Jehoshaphat was afraid, yet he sought the Lord. I sought the Lord and he heard. And he answered, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. If we had the time to keep reading in Second Chronicles, we would begin to see that as they fasted, God was giving them clear, specific instructions of where to find victory in the middle of their battle. They did things they never planned for. They had a war plan. This wasn't a war plan. This was a God plan, and it was better than what they had drawn up. But had they not prayed and fasted, they never would have had the victory that God gave them. I'm going to tell some of y'all today, you've got problems in your life that can't be solved in the natural world. Some of y'all need a supernatural answer for your marriage. Some of y'all need supernatural intervention for your children. Some of y'all need supernatural healing for the diagnosis. Some of y'all need supernatural wisdom for your decision. Some of y'all need supernatural provision for your business. But you're too busy looking in the natural, yet the answer for victory is found in the man named Jesus. 
We read of this boy. His parents, I guarantee you, loved him so much that they tried everything in the natural to help him overcome this demonic spirit he was fighting. Yet nothing worked until he got in the presence of Jesus. So I want to ask you if there's something that you need God to do in your life. Are you trying to solve it on your own or are you going to him to find the victory? Because there's solutions that you can try in this world that aren't leading you to the breakthrough that you need. But my question is, have you come to the foot of the cross? Have you brought it to Jesus? Not just, God, I need you, but said, God, I'm devoting my life to you. I'm praying and I'm fasting because I believe that you will do what you said you're gonna do because the power of prayer and fasting brings the victory. Prayer and fasting creates space for God. Prayer and fasting gives faith in the grave. Prayer and fasting brings victory. The last thing I wanna see this morning, and it, it coincides with bring victory, but we have to understand this power, which is very true today. Prayer and fasting breaks demonic resistance. Breaks demonic resistance. It doesn't take long for us in the story we read in Mark 9, this encounter of the demon-possessed boy and Jesus. It doesn't take long for us to realize the reality of the demonic stronghold that was on this boy. And the reality that that demonic stronghold and the presence of demonic strongholds is still prevalent today. Y'all do realize that, right? Like, I'm, not, I'm trying to read the room right now because some of y'all are like, oh, the word demonic's on the screen in church. We can't talk about that stuff in church. No, we need to be talking about this in church. We need to be talking about this. Why? Because y'all need to be equipped for war. I'm not trying to be over-spiritual. I ain't trying to give the devil any more credit because he doesn't deserve it. But y'all have to realize there is a very real spiritual war going on that we as followers of Jesus have been called to fight. But I got to clear the air here because I know what some of y'all going to be doing after today. You're going to see every problem in your life as the devil and you're going to see every person you hate as demon-possessed. But that ain't the truth, all right? Your mother-in-law, yeah, she might have demons, I don't know. But y'all, this ain't the water boy, right? Y'all, everything is the devil to your mama. No! Let's get real honest this morning. Some of y'all are faced with situations right now, not because the devil had anything to do with it, but just because you made a stupid decision. No amens? Dang. Like we have a spiritual responsibility as followers of Jesus. And far too often we blame the devil for things that he never caused us to do. We were just too stupid and mature and made the decision on our own. The sovereignty of God does not dismiss you from your responsibility as his child. And guess what one of your responsibilities is? To go to war in the spiritual realm. To break the demonic strongholds that are holding people back. Can I tell you something else? You may not know this. The devil is not omnipresent. That's how I know that not every problem is created by him. He doesn't have that power. God does. 
But you see, the victory that we find through prayer and fasting breaks the demonic resistance. This young boy and his parents had tried everything to find the breakthrough they needed. They could not find it. Why? Because they had not yet gone to the man named Jesus. So my question for you is, what about your life? What are you trying to do everything in your power to do to bring victory and breakthrough in your life that you can't find on your own? Maybe it's prayer and fasting that's going to unlock the key to victory and break the demonic stronghold that may be at work. I mentioned the Daniel fast. One of the reasons so many followers of Jesus today participate in the Daniel fast is because Daniel in the Old Testament was exiled to Babylon. And while in exile, he began to fast this Daniel fast that we call today, abstaining from the meats that were being prepared by those who had him captive. And he just ate the fruits and the vegetables and the nuts during that time. But I found it so interesting that during Daniel's fast, I, I don't know if I've seen this before, but y'all, it wrecked me this week in Daniel 10. Because you have to realize some context here. Daniel's been sent into captivity. He's began to pray. He's began to fast. He's been asking God to speak and move on his behalf. And he has not seen anything change yet. But in Daniel 10, the Lord speaks to him through an angel. And the visitation with the angel sounds like this. Daniel 10, 12 through 14. Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time that is still yet to come. I want to I break this down because one of the things you need to see in the text this morning is this. Just because you start praying and fasting tomorrow does not mean you will see God answer your solution right away. You've got to understand that God's timing is not your timing. So you go home today and you start starving yourself. You start hitting your knees and you wake up tomorrow and the problem is still there. And you're calling me, Pastor, you lied during your sermon yesterday. I'm praying and fasting. Where's my victory? Where's the breakthrough? Well, guess what? Daniel had now been praying and fasting for 21 days. And even this visitation from the angel was not the answer that he was looking for. But God showed up to remind him and to encourage him. Hey, do not be troubled. Hey, do not grow weary. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep trusting because I am still working on your behalf. Some of y'all need to know that God is fighting battles for you that you do not even see yet. And if you give up today, you may be just one prayer away from the breakthrough that God has in your life life. Don't give up. Some of y'all have been praying for years. Don't give up. Some of y'all, it's been weeks. Don't give up. Hear the word of the angel to Daniel. Since the first day, like the angel shows up and reassures Daniel from day one, when you begin to pray and humble yourself before the Lord, you have been heard. And y'all, my heart is heavy 
Because I meet so many Jesus followers who gave up on praying for the miracles, who gave up on praying for salvation of family members, who gave up on praying for deliverance, who gave up on praying for situations to change because it had not yet happened. And I just wanna tell you and remind you today, church, from the first day that you began to pray to God, he has heard every single word. Every single tear that you have shed, he's holding it in your hand. Don't give up now. Don't do it. Keep praying. Keep trusting. There may just be a stronghold that the angels are breaking on your behalf that you do not even see yet. But if you give up now, you'll never know the victory that God had for you. If you give up now, you're never going to experience the blessing that God has for you. Don't give up. The angel goes on to describe this resistance with the prince of Persia. That word prince in the original Hebrew word is the same word as ruler. And we see this same word used in the New Testament in Ephesians 6.12, where the word of God says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Church, you've got to understand that there is a spiritual war going on. And we as followers of Jesus do not fight flesh and blood. This is why the church across the street is not our enemy. This is why the churches in Dodge City, we're going to plant a church in Dodge City. But the other churches that are there right now, they're not our enemies. They're our co-pilots. They're our teammates as we storm the gates of hell. Because it is not a battle of flesh and blood. That's why the sinner is not the enemy. They're a person to be loved who was created in the image of God that needs to be reminded that there's a Father in heaven who loves them and a Savior named Jesus Christ who died for them. We're not called to judge them. God's the judge. We don't battle flesh and blood. Our battle is in the supernatural realm, but we will only find victory in that realm through prayer and fasting. Ephesians 6.12 uses this word principalities. Some of us are like, I don't know what that means. Let me make it clear, cut, dry, simple for you. Prince of cities. Let me put it this way. There are demonic princes assigned to cities. There are demonic princes assigned to regions. There are demonic princes assigned to family names. There are demonic princes assigned to generations. I'm losing some of y'all, but I think I'm equipping enough of you for war to keep going. Y'all have got to realize that there are demonic assignments in these areas. And if the church does not wake up, the demonic assignment will take more ground than it was ever meant to have. Because the church is not fighting on her behalf and claiming the territory that God has given her. We've got to take the church to the streets for this reason, y'all. We can pray all day long that the ground in this room is holy ground. But I want the Mineola school to be holy ground. I want the Buckland school to be holy ground. I want Dodge City to be holy ground. I want to take a hold of these areas where the demonic strongholds are at work. And I want to preach the name of Jesus until those strongholds are broken. 
But it's our responsibility to take it over these spiritual attacks. This is why. This is why you can go from city to city, state to state, and experience a different level of resistance in the spiritual realm. Some of y'all, like, you don't understand that, and I, I can't. I can't explain it the best way, but the, the call that God's got on my life, the fact that I get to be a pastor and call this a job still baffles me to this day, humbles me to this day. But I get to preach in different areas. And can I tell you something? One of the things that amazes me is the resistance in a room where I'm preaching. I can tell. What churches are prayed up and fasted up and ready for war. And I can tell which churches are full of weak, insecure Christians. Just because of the resistance that's facing me. And the same is true when I walk in our schools. When I walk into hospitals. When I walk into grocery stores. As you begin to walk in tune with the Holy Spirit. As you begin to pray and fast. And make it a habitual part of your lifestyle. As a follower of Jesus. God will begin to reveal things to you. You never even knew were there. And you'll begin to realize. Man I just came here to get some milk. But I got to walk around this store a few more times. And break some things that are in this place. You might be a teacher at the school and you might be like, man, there's some, there's some emotional and physical abuse happening behind closed doors in this school and I feel the weight of that and I need to walk around this school and I need to pray and I need to take ground in this place for the kingdom of God. You may be at your workplace. You may be at your home. Like I know we're getting there and I, I wasn't even mean it. Y'all, we gonna be here till two o'clock. Just get ready. But I, I, I don't know how else to describe it other than paraphernalia. Like, y'all like, got to realize some of that Harry Potter books and some of the merchandise for artists and musicians that your kids have. Like, some of y'all got to realize the pictures that some of those artists and people are promoting. They are demonic and you need to get rid of them in order to take victory over your home. Like, I don't know, you got to be blind, dumb, or deaf to not realize that the next generation is being targeted by the devil. You've got artists on stage dancing with devil horns. Because it's a comic character to laugh at, not an enemy to be afraid of. And I'm not saying I walk in fear of the devil. Why? Because I know the blood of Jesus has already claimed victory over him. So you get behind me, Satan. We've got to take victory, church. We've got to break demonic strongholds. And here, oh man. This is how like deceiving the devil is. Because there's demonic strongholds being released and spoken that you don't even realize are demonic strongholds. Let, let me bring your attention to some. Once I graduate from here, I've got to get out of southwest Kansas because there's nothing good for me there. Well, if you're not from there, then you don't have the respect or the roots, so good luck. If you go to that town, don't piss off that family. They run everything, so if you get on their bad side, you're on everyone's bad side. We all grew up together. I knew you as a kid, and I knew what you were like, and that's how you're always going to be. No, Jesus can't change you. Well... 
There's nothing to do here but play the boring game golf, farm, drink beer, sleep around, and hang out. We laugh. But can I tell you something? There's a lot to be done here. There is good fertile soil in this region. And if we would take ground for the kingdom, we would realize that even in these small towns of six to a thousand people, that the kingdom of God still needs to be preached. Good seed still needs to be sown. And the church can still advance in this area. Like, let a church get on fire enough that people are moving here just because a move of God is happening. And then out of the overflow of the kingdom, new businesses start. Out of the overflow of the kingdom, our schools are healthier. Out of the overflow of the kingdom, we begin to see things change. We're not changing the culture. We're changing the culture from the inside out. Let us take the grounds. If you are here, you've been called here, change this region for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are demonic strongholds, principalities, lies that are binding even people in our church family and in this region that will only be broken when the church gets on her knees and begins praying and fasting. The angel told Daniel, you prayed, we heard you. The answer was yes, but we had to fight demonic resistance. God's heard you. He's heard your prayer. His answer is yes and amen, but there's still some demonic resistance being fought that you don't see, so don't give up now. Church, prayer and fasting opens heaven over your life. It creates space for God. It gives you faith in the gray. It brings victory and it will break the demonic resistance that's over your life, that's over your family, that's over your situation, that's over this region. And you've got to realize and recognize the power and the responsibility that you've been given as a follower of Jesus. But let's be really honest. Some of us are just downright exhausted. Like, I, I, I get emotional thinking about it because I've had so many conversations in the last month of my life with people who are followers of Jesus and they just collapse and they're like, Pastor, I'm tired. The weight of life is just so heavy. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I've been fighting, I've been fighting, I've been fighting. And my heart breaks because for so many of those situations... You have wasted your energy by fighting in the natural a battle that can only be won in the supernatural. You weren't called to carry that weight. You weren't called to put that on your shoulders. You weren't created to fix every problem that you see in the world around you. And you've been spending your energy fighting in the natural that which can only be found victorious in the supernatural. Church, it's time we go deeper. We've got to break the things that we cannot see. You've got to stop fighting in the natural, that which is being limited by supernatural resistance. Why? Because you're only going to find victory in those things when you begin to pray and you begin to fast. 
There are things that can only be broken, Jesus, in Mark 9. This kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. As I close, I want to remind you in verse 19, Jesus calls out the crowd. You faithless and perverse generation. And then at the end of this conversation, Jesus gives them a challenge. Prayer and fasting. I want you to see that God knew what he was doing from the beginning to the end. Because when Jesus calls them out, faithless and perverse, here's what he was saying. You're faithless, meaning you're disconnected from God. You perverse generation, meaning you're too connected to the world. And here's the call from Jesus. You pray because it connects you to God. And you fast because it disconnects you from the world. The only way, the only way to overcome being faithless and disconnected from God is through prayer. The only way to overcome being perverse and too connected to the world is through fasting. And so church, you've got to understand and realize that there is power in our prayer and in our fasting, and it needs to become a habitual part of our lifestyle as a follower of Jesus if we're truly going to see the things take place that God promised us in this word. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you for meeting us here today. Apart from you, this would all just be a waste of time, but Holy Spirit, you're in this room. And so we invite you right now in this moment of prayer to just minister to the hearts of those who need it today. I want to ask every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're in the room this morning or even online, I can't see you, but there's something about making a physical change that signifies that which can't be seen in the supernatural. And so if you're in the room right now or online and you would just be honest and humble this morning and admit that you're tired, you're exhausted. There's some situations in your life that You've been trying everything you can to change them or to find breakthrough in them, but you're not getting where you need to be. And you would just be honest at the feet of Jesus today and say, God, I'm exhausted. If that's you, would you do me a favor and just slip your hand up so I can see and be in agreement with you this morning? There's hands all over the room. I hear the Lord saying to those of you with your hands up or had them up. Spend less time focusing on the problem and spend more time focusing on me. There's a limit to what you can do to change that very thing that's on your mind right now. But with God, all things are possible for those who believe. And God's saying, as you spend more time with him, you will begin to realize that although your problem might not change in the moment, he can begin to change you. He can begin to strengthen you. He can begin to equip you. He can begin to give you the vision that you need to see past whatever it is that's holding you back. He can begin to give you the strength that you need to break that which is holding you back. He can begin to give you the grace that you need to love those 
that you would say are unlovable right now, to forgive those who you would say, I can't forgive that. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to those hearts right now, Father, to fill us afresh. Oh, consume me, God. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief, Father, to believe for the impossible, to believe for that which we have never seen done before, to believe that even though we might be in a situation because of what we did, because of our falling short, because of our screw-up, that you are still faithful, you are still just. And that although we might have consequences, God, you still love us because you've never abandoned us or forsaken us. God, give strength to the man or the woman this morning who needs to have the courage to forgive themselves for what they've done. Because how can they receive your forgiveness if they can't even receive the forgiveness from themselves? Father, we ask, because your word says it, that by your stripes we are healed. And so God, for any diagnosis that looks eternal, as in the doctor said, there's nothing else we can do. We plead the blood of Jesus over that right now, Father. And we declare and decree by your stripes, they are healed. Healing in the name of Jesus. God, we pray restoration over broken minds. That as weariness grows and as tiredness grows, we've begun to believe these lies in our mind that have led to anxiety and depression. And God, we plead your blood over the mind this morning. Renewal of the mind in the name of Jesus. Renewal of the spirit in the name of Jesus. Fresh fire from heaven fall right now. We take the lie from the enemy that says you're not enough. And we break it in the name of Jesus. Father, we speak against principalities that have been assigned to the names of the families represented in this room. Generational curses that people have just accepted because of their family name. This is what they're going to have to live with. We break that in the name of Jesus. Because when you said yes to Jesus, you are now a child of the Most High God. And that trumps any name on this side of eternity. Father, we break the demonic stronghold of alcoholism in this region, Father. Lord, we lift up the next generation to you. In the generations that follow as these young boys and girls are being brought up in a society who is deceiving them with false lies about identity, deceiving them about where their true worth is found, and we speak your word. This next generation has been fearfully and wonderfully made, just like you say in your word, Father. You formed their inward parts, God. You knit them together in their mother's womb. God, we praise you for they, the next generation, has been fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, O God. 
for their souls will know it very well. Their frame has not been hidden from you. When they were made in the secret places, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen them unformed in the book written, every one of them, that the days were formed for them, yet as they are, there was none left out. But, O oh God, would they find your thoughts precious, the sum of every thought that you have of them, God? Would they be able to count your thoughts more precious than the sand? God, we speak this word over this next generation, God, that you would rise up men and women to disciple, to shepherd, to love, and to lead them into the promised land, the presence of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for salvations to just flood the streets in this region. God, I pray right now this morning, if there's anyone in this room or online who has not yet called upon the name of Jesus, today is your day of salvation. Because you've been at a loss right now. You've been feeling like life is over. You don't know how you're going to keep going. And you've been saying, God, I need more of you. God, I need more of you. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, son, daughter, Jesus is waiting for more of you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to repent of your sin to turn from your wicked ways. Jesus loved you so much that he died for you while you were still sinning. God loves you so much, he gave up his one and only son for you. God's not mad at you for what you've done. He's madly in love with you and he wants you to come to him today. To cry out, Abba, Father, I need you. I need you to be Lord of my life. I repent of my sin. Help me overcome the addiction. Help me overcome the temptation. Help me in my unbelief, oh God. I surrender my life to you. I submit my will to you. Jesus, I need you to be Lord of my life, all of my life. God, guys, if that's you this morning, I want you to ask God. I want you to talk to him. I want you to run to him with a repentant heart. And to call upon the name of Jesus. It's not a, a religious set of rules or obligations you have to meet. No, the relationship begins when you say, Jesus, I need you. I repent. I submit. And I surrender. And for your church, oh God, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours, God? Would you draw us to our knees? more than we're willing to pick up the sword and fight? Would you give us the wisdom to know when to speak and when to be quiet? Would you give us the discernment to know when to fight and when to surrender? And would you give us the strength to know when to stay and when to walk away? Father, we love you. We thank you. Continue to transform us this week through the power of your word. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and for giving me victory. It's in your precious, holy, and powerful name that is above every other name all of God's people said. Amen. Come on, church, all of God's people said. Amen, amen, amen and amen.